0: Hey, this is Adrian Hernandez, and welcome to the NIH Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. We're here to give you some extra time with our speaker and ask them the tough and interesting questions you want to hear most. If you haven't already, we hope you'll watch the full Grand Rounds webinar recording to learn more. All of our Grand Rounds content can be found at rethinkingclinicaltrials.org. Thanks for joining. Hi there, today we're here with Henry Wang, who will be reflecting on the Paramedic Airway Management and Out-of-Hospital Cardiac Arrest Trial, the Pragmatic Airway Resuscitation Trial, are part. So welcome, Henry. Thank you. So uh, you really took on a really important uh, problem here, which is happening, uh, unfortunately, every day uh, outside the hospital of um, people having cardiac arrests. Uh, Tell us a little background about why uh, you all tackle this problem. What's the problem you're solving?
1: Well, out-of-hospital cardiac arrest is a major public health problem. There are over 350,000 cases of of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest per year in the United States and possibly 600,000 cases per year in Europe. Uh, Survival is relatively dismal in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest with only about one out of 10 victims surviving to leave the hospital alive. Uh, the first step that healthcare providers usually carry out when trying to save someone who who is ex- experiencing cardiac arrest is to open up the airway, establish a conduit to deliver oxygen into the lungs to circulate to the body. And so this process of airway management is typically performed using this procedure called endotracheal intubation, which involves snaking a plastic flexible tube through the mouth, and through the vocal cords, and into the lungs. And this is a standard of care we have embraced in the hospital setting for well over uh, 30 to 50 years, and it has been the standard of care in paramedic practice for 30 years.
0: And what was the approach uh, for the PART trial? What was kind of the major features for it?
1: The PART trial was deter- uh, designed to determine whether this traditional procedure endotracheal intubation Uh, was the better technique for resuscitation compared with a newer device called the laryngeal tube or the LT. This laryngeal tube is structured a little bit differently. Uh, It's designed to to land not in the vocal cords or the the windpipe, but to land in the esophagus. And there are a series of two balloons that then isolate uh, the vocal cords and allow oxygen to be blown indirectly into the lungs the laryngeal tube is a simpler device. It seems to require less training. It seems to provide uh, ventilation very similar to intubation. And you can imagine that paramedics should have a lot easier time with the newer mousetrap. But to this date, there have been no head-to-head comparisons of the newer airway compared with the traditional endotracheal intubation technique.
0: Tell us a little bit about um, kind of Uh, how this is different from a traditional trial uh, in the community, you know, doing a trial in the community setting.
1: Well, the term pragmatic featured very prominently in the title and in the design of the trial and was motivated a lot by the uh, NIH grant that was provided to support this project. And so from the start, a lot of the trial design was focused upon practical uh, uh, interventions Uh, as we would expect them to be performed and used in the community. And so for example in this trial we adhered very much to standard practices that paramedics might use. And so although we prescribed that the paramedics would choose one of the two different airway strategies, we did not dictate how they would carry out the the two different airway techniques. And if the first technique was unsuccessful The protocol specified that they could resort to any other available standard technique uh, to rescue the airway. This was consistent with our goals of having a trial with results that could be easily translated to real practice. We didn't want results that would be uh, generalizable only to systems that had special resources or capabilities. similar to those done in the trial.
0: It seems like there are two important um, groups to ensure you had them on board for the trial. One is the, the community um, because um, uh, of the way uh, you all approach this uh, for um, uh, consent. And the second is getting the uh, paramedics on board for being part of this. Um, again, the intervention or the, that part of the community. Can you talk a little bit about uh, community consent?
1: Sure. So the trial was uh, conducted under a system called exception from informed consent. And this is a mechanism uh, provided by government regulations to allow the um, uh, enrollment of subjects into a trial under emergency conditions. And so you can imagine patients in cardiac arrests are not able to interact with a researcher or a physician and, and provide Uh, verbal or written informed consent, Uh, and there's really no time to find a surrogate, a family member, to provide that permission. And the EFIC rules, exception from informed consent, allow for the enrollment of individuals into these types of emergency condition trials. We have many responsibilities and requirements as prerequisites to carrying out a trial using this technique, uh, community consultation and public disclosure are some of the most fundamental parts of this process and require us to extensively engage with the community to inform them of the study, to give opportunities for them to provide feedback, and to, uh, and to uh, obtain feedback about whether the community approves of this type of a study. Uh, our current, the efforts we use during the study and as we are um, carrying out right now for other studies involve using town hall meetings, press releases, and even leveraging social media. We find that social media gives us a very effective and efficient uh, uh, method for engaging the community. This trial would not be possible without the EFIC mechanism.
0: And how long did that take to kind of uh, go through that process and any challenges that you found through that process?
1: The process of EFIC has been in existence for over 20 years Uh, We, as a resuscitation community, have become very facile with this technique. Uh, You can imagine that 10 to 15 years ago, it could take uh, four to six months to get adequate engagement from the community. And a lot of that fueled by the lack of familiarity of the uh, effective and ineffective ways to get community feedback. Today, uh, we can carry out ethic efforts ranging from two to four months and those vary by regions, they vary by the institutions and the communities involved. They vary by the expectations of the institutional review boards. Uh, we have different cultural beliefs and, and uh, health literacy and expectations for participation in research. And so not surprising that these standards vary with different communities.
0: Great. Now let's turn to uh, the uh, the paramedics. And, How how did you get them on board?
1: Listeners might be fascinated to hear that intubation, this procedure that's performed on a daily basis in the hospital, has a very special place in the history of uh, EMS or out-of-hospital emergency care. Paramedics first learned to perform intubation in the United States over 30 years ago when thought leaders reasoned that if we wanted to improve survival from life-threatening conditions like cardiac arrest, that we should have the paramedics uh, emulating the interventions that we use in the hospital. Since the first step of a cardiac arrest often involved endotracheal intubation, uh, several pilot projects were soon given birth and and attempted to teach paramedics this life-saving skill. And based upon these four pilot uh, projects in major cities around the nation, intubation soon very quickly became a standard of care throughout the, the country. Now, intubation is one of the most important procedures that paramedics learn in their training, and it is the procedure that distinguishes them from lesser-trained EMS personnel. And so you can imagine that any proposal to replace intubation with another procedure uh, could evoke a strong reaction. Part of the challenge we had in carrying out this trial was that it would be that changing intubation to another procedure is a very unpopular proposition. And it really took uh, waiting over 10 years uh, to show information and and to persuade EMS thought leaders uh, of the merits of the newer uh, airway tubes to really shift cultures and belief and bring us to the point where we could pitch doing such a controversial trial. Without paramedic buy-in, there's absolutely no way that we would have been able to carry out this trial.
0: How long did it take you to, to get to the stage of doing the trial and finishing things up? Like, what was the, the life course or, uh, for development of the study?
1: This study is the end result of over 10 years of hard work uh, from identifying that this was a priority topic Uh, to designing a potential intervention uh, and uh, and coming up with a potential uh, trial design, and then waiting very patiently for paramedic beliefs and culture to shift over time to be receptive to evaluating such a controversial question. For 10 years, we were lucky to have the uh, NHLBI-supported Resuscitation Outcomes Consortium This is a 10-community research network put out together by NIH specifically to study clinical trials of -of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. And during that 10-year period, we fostered extremely strong relationships with our partner EMS agencies. We involved the paramedics and EMS providers at all stages of developing trials, even at the very first levels, the basic levels of trial design. And it's through this mutual work that we we were able to uh, uh, get the paramedic community to understand the challenges and the importance of carrying out such controversial research. I have no doubt that that was part of the reason why we were able to gain the approval of paramedic professionals within this network to carry out such a challenging trial.
0: And then um, what was the kind of final answer and then we'll end with lessons learned?
1: So PART was a pragmatic uh, cluster-randomized trial. Uh, Let me just give you a quick overview of the design of the trial. Uh, EMS agencies in uh, in five communities involving 27 different EMS organizations participated in the trial. Uh, They were divided into 13 randomization units. Each unit was randomized to perform one of the two airway strategies, intubation or laryngeal tube, over a three to five month period. And then they crossed over to the other intervention every three to five months. Uh, The primary outcome of the trial was 72-hour survival, but we also paid attention to more definitive outcomes such as survival to hospital discharge. So the study enrolled a total of 3,000 patients. The primary outcome was 72-hour survival. We found that the laryngeal tube, the newer airway device, was associated with 3% higher survival with uh, the use of the laryngeal tube than the more traditional endotracheal intubation intervention. And this is a very large um, treatment effect considering that the baseline survival for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest is only about 10%. But not only that, these results that we saw in 72-hour survival, these differences, uh, persisted to the more definitive outcomes of survival to hospital discharge and survival with good neurologic function. And so, in fact, this modestly-sized study has very powerful results and actually spoke to um, the improved outcomes with the newer airway device. So, in summary, This study provided an unexpected result. The newer, more efficient laryngeal tube device actually improves outcomes compared with these traditional endotracheal intubation technique.
0: Well, that's why you do the trials, right? So uh, it sounds like that was um, terrific. Um, Do you see uh, any challenges for implementation of results into uh, all communities?
1: Clearly the biggest barrier is Uh, one of practice and culture and and resistance to new proposals. As you know, it can take 10 years to translate a new scientific finding into clinical practice. Uh, And the proposal to change intubation to a newer device is always going to be a controversial proposal in the EMS community. Um, However, many EMS agencies have embraced the results of this trial. And in fact, even before we conducted a trial, Many EMS uh, professionals realized that to deliver high-quality CPR chest compressions and to accomplish all of the other complicated parts of a cardiac resuscitation, that they would have to put aside the more complicated intubation procedure and replace it with this newer, simpler technique. Now, the next questions are, how do we spread the word about the technique and encourage EMS professionals to embrace the new, uh, the new strategies?
0: Great. And any uh, final uh, lessons learned or words of wisdom uh, f- for those interested in doing these types of pragmatic trials?
1: This was a very uh, interesting and important trial and actually the first large-scale clinical trial I ever led in my career. And I am humbled by how many lessons I learned from this trial and how much I learned from all of my friends and colleagues and partners that helped to make this enormous undertaking a reality. Uh, my first pearl to uh, beginning investigators, it can take a long time, and in this case, almost 10 years, to bring an idea to fruition to the point where it can be tested in a clinical trial. The majority of my work in the past has been uh, using observational data, using existing large data sets, uh, and reaching for techniques such as multivariate uh, adjustments to account for confounders. And an interesting thing about this topic, if you reach into the last 10 years of literature and look, use existing data sets, overwhelmingly they suggest that the laryngeal tube actually fares worse than the more traditional endotracheal tube. And so as the run-up to this trial, all of the data in fact indicated that intubation would be the winner and would come out with better uh, uh, outcomes. But however, all of those trials were observational in nature and were not randomized. And so this is the first randomized comparison of the the two airway devices. And surprisingly, it ends up with a different opposing finding, finding that the laryngeal tube is actually the better airway device. To me, that's a very important lesson as as a scientist. Important questions ultimately need to be put up to randomization uh, to identify truth or the true effect. There's only so much that we can do with observational data.
0: Well, that certainly is a great set of lessons. And the more of these studies that we can do, the, the faster we can get to uh, better answers that um, will hopefully have a uh, positive effect on, on health uh, through implementation. So Henry, uh, thanks for a great session on our Collaboratory podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And thanks for listening uh, to our podcast. Uh, Please join us for our next podcast as we continue to highlight fascinating and formative changes in the research world. Thanks for joining today's NIH Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. Let us know what you think by rating this interview on our website. And we hope to see you again on our next Grand Rounds, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.